0: It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN. Thank you so much for joining us. Scott Foster here with you. is uh, We got a whole crew of people uh, ready to give you all the information that you can handle in a couple hours of uh, well, listening to the radio, I guess. <laughs> we have Susan Littlefield with us here today. How are you doing, Susan?
1: I'm doing well. The sun is shining. Another great day. And I saw a little bit of field work going on when I was into
0: La Vista. Oh, that's good. That's good to hear. And and certainly it's been conducive, uh, at least in the central and eastern part of the state the last couple days to get some stuff done.
1: No, very much so. I saw some guys moving some irrigation pipes. It must have been an area they didn't have to irrigate until now.
0: Well, nobody's excited about moving irrigation pipes. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to change that story right away. What do you got for us today? Well,
1: well, we got a lot of things happening coming from the midday from the farm team. Clay's going to step in here at 1219 to talk with Dave Anken about property taxes in 2020. Then at 1245, the Nebraska Department of Agriculture did confirm that case of V.S. and a horse in Lincoln County. Dr. Dennis Hughes will join Bryce to talk about the latest update and, of course, what that's going to mean for those in agriculture with livestock. Then at 117, Clay comes back in again. As the first of four UNL soybean management field days took place yesterday, you're going to hear from one of the lead speakers on everybody's favorite, weed management. So that's from the midday
0: from us. Boy, that's a good thing to know right now because there are a lot of weeds out there. That's what August to me is, is weeds. Exactly. uh, All right. Thank you, Susan. Appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. Well, good news uh, from a uh, Huskers standpoint As a kid that was from McCook, a, a bison that went down to Fort Collins to play, coming back to play for the Huskers brand event And
2: he was very successful even at that. Started three games as a freshman mm-hmm. and was billed as their number two linebacker entering fall camp. But Zach Slager... The former bison now gonna be a current Husker. He's gonna be joining the Huskers as a walk on and then start classes with the rest of the UNL students on August twenty sixth. Another big year expected for the Nebraska volleyball team. They're ranked number two. Stanford, of course, ranked number one, but it's gonna be it looks like a tough time in the Big Ten. Mm. Minnesota ranked preseason third, and Wisconsin ranked fifth. So if you like volleyball, and many listeners do, you have three in the Big Ten that are all in the that are all in the top five
0: wow and you're not even did I, I i was halfway listening to did you mention uh where's penn state at
2: no penn state in the top five
0: wow state, so you know stanford
2: penn state. husker minnesota texas and wisconsin wow. so three that's not including penn state which tells you how tough it is. the big ten is going to be
0: and illinois who came on last
2: year and speaking of tough it's a tough day for ankles out there Denver Broncos wide receiver Manuel Sanders revealing he's going to have double ankle surgery, which is not good for a 32-year-old. And in Indianapolis Colts, Andrew Luck, the longtime quarterback, he'll miss the rest of the preseason because of an injury near the front of his left ankle. So a bad day for ankles out there.
0: Caution fantasy football draftees coming up on Andrew Luck, that's for sure. All right, we'll turn it over to, uh, speaking of caution, we turn it over to Dave Schroeder. No, I didn't mean you. I meant the stock market.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, stocks taking a big dive today. Right now, the now is down 614 points they're closing or they're sharply lower because of big losses in europe after germany's economy shrank and as the u.s bond market uh, flashes an ominous warning about a possible recession so some interesting developments there
0: all right very good that's all coming up on midday Time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. Paul Perkins in studio with us. I struggle with your name. It's so <laughs> difficult. But
4: I'm not the Popo I'm the Popo. Paul Perkins.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Paul the Popo. Uh, well, it looks like we've got a lot of uh, kind of what we saw yesterday sort of building a little bit. Right
4: yeah, now. exactly. It looks like that same area under the gun for potentially some more severe weather today. We had up to 4.7 inches of rain in Hays, Kansas with these thunderstorms. Uh, yesterday wow. in central part of Kansas. And it looks like we could see a little more thunderstorm activity over west and west central areas of Nebraska, on into to northwestern uh, Kansas, and also northeast Colorado, the potential for some serious weather once again.
0: Saw some pretty good hail at the beginning, at least, of that storm last night. Yesterday afternoon, mm-hmm. too, some baseball-sized stuff.
4: And even some overturned vehicles and mm-hmm. a lot of uh, dangerous uh, conditions with those storms that did move through Kansas. Right now, once again, uh, some strong thunderstorms starting to develop to the north of north platform about Tryon up to about the Hyannis area. These are drifting to the southeast, otherwise some lighter activity towards Thetford, Stapleton, and Denning. Also some more showers and thunderstorms getting going up into the northern portions of Nebraska, towards about Gordon into southwest South Dakota. All of this activity gradually moving to the southeast. A fair amount of cloud cover over west central Nebraska, basically from Ogallala to North Platte up to Valentine and points off to the west to swath of clouds also from about Ogallala to west of McCook and down to Hoxie, Kansas. But otherwise, a lot of us enjoying some very nice weather across the area, upper 60s to the low 70s. And we do have those cloudy areas of the Nebraska Sandhills still in the low 60s due to the rain and, of course, the cloud cover moving through there. And you'll notice that it's pretty comfortable outside. The dew point's currently in the mid to upper 50s, so that dew point not leading to too much in the way of humidity to deal with for today.
0: Just a gorgeous morning this morning and evening last night.
4: Exactly. So it looks like that will continue for pretty much today. The cooler conditions today in behind a cool front that moved through, mainly sunny skies in most areas those thunderstorms, of course, getting going already over west central areas of nebraska the thunderstorms expected to develop east of the rockies later today tracked to the east some of the storms could be severe especially along and west of a line from thedford to Gothenburg, cambridge overland and oakley kansas so once again if you're anywhere along and west of a line from thedford to gotheburg cambridge overland and oakley there is a slight to enhanced risk of severe thunderstorms from the Storm Prediction Center. That enhanced risk right now over the Nebraska Panhandle into northeast Colorado. Another round of thunderstorms should roll in from the northwest late tonight into tomorrow morning. Those thunderstorm chances decrease during the day to a small chance in the afternoon. A couple of more thunderstorm chances swinging through for tomorrow night and Friday night. Some of those storms could be severe for tomorrow and tomorrow night. with central and east areas of Nebraska and Kansas in at least a slight risk from the storm prediction center the severe chances on friday night not looking as high the weekend into next week warmer and drier as we see a ridge of high pressure build north from the southern plains in our long-term outlook With that ridge of high pressure building into our region, Nebraska and Kansas temperatures likely to be warmer than normal from Monday through August 27th. And for reference, in central Nebraska, the daytime highs in late August, usually in the low to mid 80s with average overnight lows right around 60. The rainfall outlook starts out drier than normal for early next week when that ridge is the strongest for Nebraska and Kansas. The forecast trends near normal rainfall for late next week through the 27th. Weather factors driving the markets include a cool weather trend continuing in the Midwest and a brief hotter trend in the Black Sea region. A cold front interacting with a warm and humid air mass will continue to produce scattered to widespread thunderstorms across the lower southeast in the U.S. Late in the week, locally heavy rain will develop from the southern Rockies into the western Corn Belt. Rain will be widely scattered in other parts of the central and eastern U.S. Following a few days of cooler weather in most areas east of the Rockies, heat will expand northward over the weekend with that ridge of high pressure in the Midwest. The cool weather will remain through the next week. Midwest crop development will continue at a pace that is already two weeks behind. Something to watch. That September forecast expected to stay on the mild side. Northern Plains crop development mostly behind normal, but Crop weather for corn and soybeans remains favorable. The Black Sea region of Russia and Ukraine—they've seen a round of heavy heat or a round of heat early this week. The heat expected to move to the east and south by the end of the week, and no significant crop stress expected for the Black Sea region for them.
0: All right. So for this evening, then we're we're looking at really the west, central, western part of the state of Nebraska, northeast Colorado, and uh, northwest Kansas. Yeah, northwest Kansas looks like they're all in that. Uh, I hate to say bullseye, but kind of in that area where it looks like there's a good chance they're going to get some storms.
4: Exactly. And and an update on this, uh, the Storm Prediction Center has now lifted that enhanced risk for Mm. the Nebraska Panhandle into northeast Colorado. So right now, just a slight risk of severe storms from along and west of the line from Thetford to Gothenburg, Cambridge, also Oberlin to Oakley, Kansas. That slight risk of severe storms uh, the main area where we could see some severe weather. Still possibly some severe weather possible in central and areas of nebraska and kansas but that that threat not as high
0: it looks like just from the satellite images there that's some pretty good tops on some of those storms that are over the sand hills right now
4: yeah definitely billowing up there those especially in between hyannis and arthur probably some small hail falling with those thunderstorms
0: okay all right very good we'll keep an eye on all of it for i know you will too where do you go to check in on your weather paul
4: krvn.com
5: The property tax relief discussion continues on as the unicameral looks to 2020. I'm Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network. Dave Aiken, UNL Extension Water and Ag Law Specialist, recently published a paper entitled 2019 Nebraska Property Tax Issues. You can find the story at ruralradio.com. I had a chance to talk with Aiken and get his thoughts on what happened in 2019 to Nebraska property tax reform.
6: We had several bills introduced that were heard early and then the Revenue Committee under the leadership of its chairmen from the Omaha area developed a compromise bill from within the members of the Revenue Committee and that was LB 289 and that came out very late in the session but they had a hearing on it and then it got to the floor it was going to change the school aid distribution that had the school districts all concerned because they didn't have a whole lot of time to understand what would the impact of that be on their specific budget, the bill proposed that the state would pay at least a third of the educational costs for every school kid in Nebraska across the state, every school district, which would have made more state aid would go to throughout the state as opposed to uh, mostly being in in more of the some of the urban areas, including you know trade centers like uh, Grand Island, Kearney, and, and Hastings.
5: Aiken is excited for the possibilities in 2020, as legislators are already working on plans outside of the unicameral.
6: The revenue committee has met with the governor, uh, and that's very important because the governor has said, you know, he doesn't want to raise taxes, and he'll veto any bill that does. I think the revenue committee uh, is looking for a way they close more of the sales tax exemptions. They may be able to raise the amount of money that they're trying to raise. Without having to increase the sales tax rate itself, uh, LB 289 proposed a three-quarter of a cent increase from five and a half to six and a quarter uh, on the state sales tax. So, if they can find some way to keep it at five and a half, they may have an easier time with the governor uh, and uh, in terms of, of getting his support for the bill. Of course, he wants the the uh, economic development uh, program to uh, to to pass as well. So uh, there are areas for compromise, but it's going to take some work on both sides, I think, to get there. But historically, farmers and ranchers have paid an awful lot, uh, well over a third of the total taxes in Nebraska are property taxes, and, uh, you know, if we can do something to knock that down so it's not quite so high, uh, I think that will be fair, Uh, it's just, but it, it's, you know, we're going to have to keep our fingers crossed to see if if, uh, if our uh, elected officials can get it done.
5: Property taxes in Nebraska may have some feeling isolated and stranded, but Aiken believes that many Nebraskans are coming to the realization of how high Nebraska property taxes are, especially for ag producers.
6: Everybody understands that ag property taxes are too high. The governor understands uh most of the people in the legislature understand. Uh I think it's significant that a senator from the Omaha area has been, you know, kind of leading the charge in terms of trying to get a property tax bill through the legislature that will get, you know, the number of votes that it needs to, to be uh to be adopted. And so I think we're getting close. I just hope we can get that final push and, and get it done this this next year.
5: Again, you can read Aiken's full paper, 2019 Nebraska Property Tax, at RuralRadio.com. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.
0: Time for us to check in on sports. Here's Jason.
7: Hey, thanks, Scott. Well, McCook native Zach Schlager has decided to become a Husker. Schlager this week put his name into the NCAA transfer portal. Last year, he played in three games as a true freshman and linebacker for Colorado State, and he was listed as their second string linebacker entering fall camp. He's expected to join the Huskers as a walk on and start classes on August 26th. Another big year is expected for the Nebraska volleyball team as the Huskers are ranked second in the ABCA preseason coaches poll. The Huskers received one of the 64 first place votes. Stanford, which received 62 first place votes, took the top ranking. Of course, the Cardinal feet of the Huskers in that memorable NCAA championship match last December in Minneapolis, winning it in five sets. The two teams will score off this regular season just about a month on Wednesday, September 18th at the Vandy Sports Center. This marks the second straight year. The Huskers will begin the season ranked second, and head coach John Cook is
8: very excited. They're a very close-knit group, and, and they've worked really hard, so we got a shot so that's that's all i want And I, you know i haven't slept for the last couple nights just because i'm so excited for the season to start and i'm really glad i feel that way because that's the way it should be the huskers return five starters from last
7: year's team including first team all-american middle blocker lawrence Diverens. minnesota texas and wisconsin round out the top five broncos wide receiver emmanuel sanders has revealed that he had double ankle surgery the 32-year-old Speedster says he underwent what's known as a tightrope procedure on his severely sprained right ankle in January. That came about a month after he underwent an operation to repair a torn left Achilles tendon. Sanders plans to play Monday night with the Broncos Sosa the 49ers in preseason action. Another NFL news, Indianapolis Colts quarterback Andrew Luck will likely miss the rest of the preseason with an injury near the front of his left ankle. Colts general manager Chris Ballard says he isn't sure if the injury will keep luck out of the September a season opener against the Chargers. Indy's starting quarterback has been dealing with lower leg pain since straining his left calf all the way back in March. In baseball, Minnesota is back atop the AL Central by a half game. They lead Cleveland after following a comeback victory over the Brewers. In Cleveland, they fell to Boston. And the Rockies have designated veteran catcher Chris Iannetta for assignment after he struggled at the plate this year. He departs as the team's all-time leader among catchers in games played, runs, hits, homers, RBIs, and walks. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com.
3: former village clerk treasurer accused of stealing from her central Nebraska community has been given a year's probation. Logan County court records say 36-year-old Amy Allen was sentenced Tuesday. She pleaded no contest to misdemeanor theft after a prosecutor reduced the charge from a felony and dropped two related misdemeanor charges. Allen was ordered to continue paying off the $15,000 in restitution to the community of Stapleton. She worked for the village for 10 years. A man already sentenced to prison for firing at an Iowa sheriff's deputy during a chase has been given Nebraska prison time as well. 29-year-old William Stanfield III was sentenced in Sarpy County Court in Papillion to 30 to 45 years. Authorities say Stanfill fired at a man who chased Stanfill after Stanfill sped through the man's Bellevue neighborhood on April 24th last year. Authorities say Stanfill later wounded a man picking up mail just south of Bellevue and the next day shot at officers looking for Stanfill's car. Authorities say Stanfill and a woman crashed into a southwest Iowa river later that day while being chased. He was sentenced to 30 years for his Iowa crimes. Lincoln officials are working on rules that would help keep riders and others safe when battery-powered rental scooters show up in the capital city. Scooter-sharing companies have expressed interest in coming to Lincoln, but City County Planning Director David Carey wouldn't say which companies. Carey says the Omaha experience with Scooter's six-month pilot program may provide good guidance for Lincoln officials. In Omaha, the scooters can't be used on sidewalks and users must follow all rules of the road when driving them. The scooter speed is limited to 35 miles per hour. The companies are required to collect and charge the scooters each night for redistribution the next day. Strong winds and heavy rain blew over semi-trailer trucks and down power lines and caused damage across parts of western Kansas. Ellis County and Hayes City officials say that Tuesday storms caused flooding and wind damage across the county. Ellis County dispatchers reported about 20 semi-trailer trucks blown over, and the Kansas Highway Patrol reported power lines down. Meanwhile, the Kansas Highway Patrol says a 59-year-old Kansas man died when his tractor collided with a train. Bernard Stegman of Spearville died Tuesday after the collision at a railroad crossing near US-50, about three miles southeast of Spearville, Kansas. Reporting on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder.
9: Nebraska joins at least five other states in confirming a viral disease so painful that infected animals generally refuse to eat or drink. On the Rural Ready Network, I'm Bryce Duskett reporting. Vesticular somatitis is a viral disease which primarily affects horses and cattle, but can also affect sheep, goats, and swine. The disease is characterized by fever and the formation of blister-like lesions on the mouth and on the dental pad, as well as the tongue, lips, hooves, and teeth. As a result of these painful lesions, infected animals may refuse to eat or drink, which can lead to weight loss. Dr. Dennis Hughes is a Nebraska State veterinarian. Dr. Hughes, what can you tell us about this confirmed case of V.S. in the state?
10: Well, the premise that was first discovered is in Lincoln County, and that premise has horses, which uh, basically uh, manifested, well, they had horse and horses eventually that manifested symptoms compatible with uh, vesicular stomatitis and that start out with blisters on the mouth and muzzle. Uh typically the disease progresses like we did on this operation where those blisters and vesicles rupture into ulcers, erosions, and then they crust over. Uh that whole process typically from start to finish takes about 2 weeks. So we're coming down here uh uh, a few more days to a week yet before that uh, premise would actually be released from quarantine.
9: It's noted that uh, vesicular stomatitis can be transferred from nose-to-nose contact as well, uh, probably more likely between bites of infected insects or midges. Do you know which one it was, Which uh, how this animal uh, received vesicular stomatitis?
10: We don't know. Uh, we're probably more likely going to look at the situation with the vectors, though. Um, you know, Vectors don't respect borders. And, uh, you know, the, with the ongoing situation in Colorado, Wyoming, uh, states to their south, uh, they've had a huge number of cases, uh, particularly, I think, Colorado's uh, approaching uh, 4 and 5,500 cases. Uh, those vectors travel readily, and particularly what we've seen uh, here uh, in the last, this year and 2015, along waterways, uh, those type of vectors that like to live in the irrigation canals ditches waterways is where it's been a a real huge problem
9: with that said with one case confirmed in the state now is it the expectation that you'll see a larger number begin to pop up like you mentioned in surrounding states
10: Um, to be realistic uh, we do anticipate more cases I I hope we're not as bad as Colorado and other states Um, you know we don't have quite the network of uh, irrigation channels, that type of thing, as Colorado has, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have to just wait and see, I guess. We're going to be on hold, basically, till we get a really good killing freeze that kills those vectors. Uh, uh, we're anticipating that we'll have more cases until that happens.
9: What can folks do on their operation to try to alleviate this disease from getting there?
10: Well, you know, when you're talking about vectors, uh, the first thing you do is try to eliminate or prevent those or reduce that population of vectors as much as possible through um, you know, protecting, uh, particularly horses from exposure to them, uh, you know, insecticidal sprays, uh, keep them away, uh, from, uh, shallow rivers, creeks, that type of thing, which is really hard to do in pastures. Um, of course, the other thing to do is, is once you have an infected animal that's, uh, symptomatic, keep them away from other animals because those biting, Uh, vectors uh, actually transmit from animal to animal. And, of course, uh, nose-to-nose contact is also a a major mode of transmission. So those are some of the major uh, things that you can do uh, to try to prevent spread within your operation.
9: You mentioned uh, in the first part of this about how the disease is generally characterized, fever, formation of blister-like lesions. If folks suspect this might be in some of their animals, what should they do?
10: First thing they need to do is contact their local veterinarian And when that veterinarian uh, sees these symptoms, uh, it should precipitate a call to our office or USDA office to uh, send a diagnostician. We call them a foreign animal disease diagnostician. And uh, those individuals within our staff are trained to recognize symptoms, to take the proper samples that are submitted to a USDA lab for evaluation and diagnosis. the big thing about vesicular stomatitis, particularly in cattle, sheep, goats, and pigs, is that it looks just like foot-and-mouth disease. So the, the fear mm-hmm. that we have as state regulatory health officials is complacency and thinking that all cattle that might have blisters or lesions is vesicular stomatitis, and that would be a disaster if you would miss uh, uh, the really bad one, foot-and-mouth disease.
9: What else would you like to add about this topic as uh, vesicular stomatitis again, now confirmed in Nebraska and Lincoln County?
10: Uh, Again, we're we're probably looking at the situation that probably for the next uh, six weeks or longer, we're going to have probably more cases. We're hoping to uh, keep that number down as low as possible. But until we get a hard killing freeze, uh, that's just the truth that we're going to have to live with.
9: That was Dr. Dennis Hughes, the Nebraska State Veterinarian. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is being brought to you in part by Nebraska soybean farmers and their checkoff, I'm Bryce Duskit, reporting on the Rural Radio Network.
0: Time for us to take a look at the stock market and uh, market pretty good sell off going on in the United States right now and that is spurred on by the European markets the London FTSE was down 101 points in the overnight the DAX index in Germany down 257 which is pretty unusual for the usually very conservative German DAX in the Asian markets the Nikkei in Japan was down was up 201 and the Hang Seng in Hong Kong up 21 right now. Here in the United States the Dow Jones Industrial averages are down 591 points they were down 750 earlier the Nasdaq down 205 and the S&P is down 67. Dave Schroeder in here with more.
3: Yes, and what appeared to be a slight thaw in trade relations between the U.S. and China that had sent markets sharply higher yesterday was quickly forgotten today with those markets. Banks are also being hit hard with economists already expecting more rate cuts to combat a slowing economy. The, uh, the Ford is extending the warranties on about 560,000 small cars to cover a litany of problems with a troubled 6-speed automatic transmissions. Those uh, units affect uh, 2014 2014 through 2016 model year focuses, and also 2014 and 2015 Fiestas. And so uh, that's something to watch for as well. The Trump administration is taking a step closer to relaxing federal rules governing the time that truck drivers can spend behind the wheel, The proposed rule affects breaks that truckers are required to take and their time on and off duty. A group representing independent truck drivers calls the proposal a common-sense approach that recognizes the need for flexibility in the hours of service. The proposal will be open for public comment before being finalized. The uh, Treasury... Uh, There is an economic alarm as well sounding in the U.S. and sending warnings of a potential recession. Yields on two-year and ten-year Treasury notes inverted earlier today. An inversion means that a market uh, investors want more in return for short-term government bonds than they are for long-term bonds. And that implies a loss of faith in the soundness of the U.S. economy, and it's been a solid indicator of a coming recession for decades, including the one that preceded the global economic crisis in 2007. And, Scott, that's a check of our business today. All right, thanks a lot, Dave. Yeah, it's been
0: uh, right now they're saying that the fear is definitely what emotion is driving the market right now. Retailers taking it tough to Macy's, Kohl's, Nordstrom's, all the big losers right now in the markets.
5: Good. Management field days near Sargent. I'm Clay Patton on the World Radio Network. Tuesday marked the first day of a four-day tour for UNL Extension and research staff as they make their way across the state, demonstrating and discussing the latest research in soybean production. The main focus again this year is weed suppression in soybeans. Chris Proctor, UNL Weed Management Extension Educator,
11: led the discussion with farmers on the latest research against weeds in soybeans. It's one of the challenges to manage, to manage uh, weeds in our soybeans, certainly. And one of the things that has come out in the last number of years is... is we need, to, we need to spread the workload. We've put a lot of emphasis on using herbicides to control weeds and it's because they're effective and they work well. Uh, but with resistance, I think we need to, we need to broaden our, our, our thinking or, or expand our toolbox, if you will, so that uh, all of our uh, efforts aren't, aren't relying just on herbicides, but we can bring some other, other things into practice like cover crops, maybe row spacing you know thinking of some other, other things we can do to help uh, slow these weeds down.
5: With weeds such as palm or amaranth, the window to effectively control them can be very short. Proctor shared his data on how cover crops can help with weed suppression and give farmers more time to take
11: action against them. We've seen that cover crops can be a, a pretty helpful tool in that toolbox in terms of uh, suppressing suppressing cover crops, or excuse me, cover crops suppressing weeds. That, that by having uh, a, a cover crop growing uh, we can reduce the number of weeds and the size of the weeds uh, pretty significantly. Now, we don't eliminate them altogether, but we definitely uh, can slow them down quite a bit, which uh, then come back with an herbicide that increases the potential for our herbicides to be more effective.
5: The farmer engagement under each tent was strong, with producers asking timely and relevant questions. Still, producers had more on their mind than the latest soybean production research. They were all feeling the effect of the latest WASDE report and the bears in the market. Logan, a central Nebraska farmer, shared why he has lost
12: faith in the data USDA provides. I just don't really put any faith in the numbers that we've had the last couple reports. And, you know, the June report that we saw, they, they came right back the, later that day or the next day saying that they were going to redo it. And, you know, that, even this next one, we haven't had any uh, positive feedback for the American farmer and, you know, just kind of start losing faith. Faith in the USDA and, and the NAS survey uh, program and not putting a lot of stock in their, their numbers and just pretty disappointed. And, you know, to what we see as the farmer and just doesn't look anywhere close to what they keep coming up with. Logan also questioned why the data he provides to
5: FSA and crop insurance throughout the growing season can't be taken into consideration for NAS
12: when producing their reports. As far as our uh, you know, planted acres, prevented planted acres, um, you know, we, we have to give all that to the uh, FSA office on a um, yearly basis uh, shortly after we're done planning, And then as far as what we insure, um, corn, soybeans, anything, we give that to uh, our crop insurance, which is RMA and so the government has two different and our, and our production too um our harvested uh, yields go to RMA so at the beginning of the year FSA RMA they both know how many acres are planted and at the after harvest they know how, many, how what the yield is, because everybody reports that as well. So they've got the data, just not as timely as they want it, And but that timely data, I just don't think it does the farmer any good.
5: Following the field day, both farmers and researchers walked away with new information and feedback for their operations. The field days continue in Pilger Today, Plymouth on Thursday, and finish the week out in Waverly on Friday. Rural Radio Network broadcasters will be at each event, and you can see more from the field days by following Rural Radio Network on Facebook and Twitter. You're listening to the World Radio Network.
8: Dewey Nelson on the World Radio Network. We ended the day lower in corn and soybeans. Wheat was mixed. And we're with John Payne, senior marketing analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. John, what did you make of this trade today?
13: Pretty nasty, you know. I thought maybe we had something last night where, where it jumped, but closed the dime off the high from from there. Uh, we're sitting right above four dollars on that December twenty contract as well. So that's kind of the next big hurdle. The fall. I'd like to think that we can bounce. I really do. I want to tell everybody that there's going to be better days ahead, but I'm I'm really not sure at this point. We've got a lot of grain coming to market. You know, uh, the crop tour certainly could show some things, but we're I mean we're almost thirty. Call it 25 cents wide between March and, and uh, September and March right now. So significant carries that are being set up here. Uh, the market is not telling us that they need corn. And then looking over at soybeans, soybeans being down with the data we got early in the week just tells you this is just the time of the year. Folks want to sell. You know, it's a it's a seasonal trade. I don't think we'll probably turn around until the end of the month. And that's when, if you're looking to buy, be patient until then.
8: If you look for the bright spot, it might be the wheat trade at least to maybe signal that we have maybe re- turned a corner a little?
13: I don't know. 3.85 mm-hmm. September, I'd like to think we can, but I think wheat was simply up today just because you're seeing guys come out of the corn corn wheat spread. So we'll probably see that more relegate itself. Uh, the next real big one to fall will be interesting to watch is, is Chicago wheat uh, being really high here compared to where the, the rest of the curve trading. Um, you know, bad news down in Argentina. Further, further uh, peso deterioration today. Um, you know, I think if it wasn't for Trump, uh, kind of saving the day, I guess with his, his uh, pardon for Chinese uh, tariffs, you know, soybeans would probably been on, down a lot more. Weather, no real issues at this point. You know, it's, it's gonna be cool, but, but we'll have some wetness in the forecast out east, so that's good for beans. And at this point, this is the time of the year. You know, I'm having flashbacks to really the last couple of seasons when, you know, we started to fall here, and then you're just like, well, you know, the market will bounce, we'll get some news, and we just never do. And we go right to 330. So, as I, I close the day here, we're sitting above 360 in the SEP contract. I do wonder if, uh, you know, we do that again, and just simply fall right that low. The basis would tell me I'm wrong on that, but, you know, the funds are, are still looking looking to be long, and, and if they want to short this thing, they've got plenty of fuel to do it.
8: Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Market Analyst at Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago. Go to com. We ended the day six and a quarter to seven and three quarters lower in corn, soybeans ten and a quarter to eleven lower. Chicago wheat was unchanged to two and a half higher, Kansas City wheat one and a quarter higher in the front month and as much as one lower in far distant contract. Dewey Nelson reporting on the Rural Radio Network.
0: Well, that's going to do it for our midday program here on KRVN. To hear today's midday program in its
10: entirety, go to podcastkrvn.com or the KRVN
6: app.